0: Gotta love technical issues when you're in the, uh, radio business <laughs> and working remote. Unbelievable. It's never easy, is it? It isn't. It isn't. You think your job's hard. All, all you, all you got to do is win a World Series. Ross Atkins is general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. How you doing, Ross?
1: Hey, Jeff. Good. How about yourself? <laughs> thanks, for, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for your patience. We were, uh. As we uh, deal with some some technical issues here at the uh, at the mothership, um, you know, Kevin and I talked about this going into the season. Um, the Jays were back in Toronto last year. Uh, came back after their, their sort of pandemic road trip. And we saw the, the impact that the, the crowds had on, on the Jays right away. And, and, you know, we heard a lot from Jays players about how significant and how important the crowds were. And I'm just wondering, now that we're kind of in what seems to be a regular, regular season, there seems to be a more normality here. Um, tell me a little bit about the reaction of the team to actually having being able to start their whole year in Toronto and you know having a proper opening day and, and and going through all that. It just seems as if this team has been on a high
1: from opening day onward. Yeah, I mean there there is a lot to it for sure. I, I think you know all the credit in the world to the environment that they've created in the clubhouse and the energy they get from one another, that is is probably as powerful as anything, but there's no doubt that there is a significant amount of energy that they receive from being in Rogers center and from their home fans. It's, you know, it's, it's proven that, you know, in energy, energy matters and however you can get it and how you find it, um, you know, you certainly want to harness it. And they, they seem to be doing so from, you know, from the fans here in Toronto and, and feeling that, home-field advantage, and I, I couldn't be happier to to see it occurring because it is it's certainly powerful.
2: Speaking of energy, uh, Bo hit the big grand slam yesterday. Uh, you know, I, I can relate to that. I, I struggled a lot and when, you know, you sort of get off to snide and get a big hit. It just sort of releases all of that, and now you can move on. But, yeah, you know, he'd been struggling up until that point offensively. It was – whether it was chasing or, you know, his first couple at-bats there, he got a couple of good pitches to hit and he grounded out and then he was chasing in his third bat. Is there anything that you're seeing, Ross, from him offensively and is there a different mindset early in the season when it comes to, you know, how much you want to help these guys when they're not, you know, doing things offensively, especially early in the season that you kind of expect them to do?
1: You know, Kev, the only, you know, it's interesting and and there's no no doubt that, um, you know, players are going to have different, uh, you know, times of performance where sometimes there's going to be the ebb and the flow. And I, I think what we always fall back on as we think about helping, supporting, or, you know, potentially talking about adjusting is what are their routines and how does their work look? And that's never in question with Bo. And that gives you, as you know, in Charlie's shoes and my shoes, a great deal of peace and a great deal of confidence. If you if you have confidence and you have work ethic, you are going to perform, given a certain talent level. And that's how we feel about Bo. There's, there's never any panic in him, especially as young as he is. It's really remarkable to say. It's still very early in his career, but... His work ethic is incredible, his routines are incredible, and his confidence is so high that it gives you a great deal of peace when you're in our shoes.
0: Ross, are you – I'm not going to ask if you're surprised at what we've seen from Santiago Espinal, but here's a guy that seems to have, I think in the minds of most people, settled the second-base position. He's playing terrific defense. He's doing a lot of things at the plate. I mean, the bottom of the order is – always seems to be a factor in in games that you guys win a factor offensively at least what when you look at santiago espinal right now
1: what do you see you know the same things you're seeing i I think the um he's having really consistent at bats you always feel good about him regardless of the style of pitcher regardless of power versus finesse His contact ability is so high. You always feel good about him putting the ball in play. play, And you feel good about his competitiveness. So he's not going to back down from any challenge. And then defensively, he has been, I mean, it it doesn't take a a veteran scout to see just how incredible he's been defensively. His ability to finish plays is remarkable. It seems like anything that he touches isn't out. He's touching a lot. You know, he's he's getting to so many different balls, and fortunately he's been positioned pretty well. He seems like he's in the middle of a lot of defensive plays and has been really, really consistent for us.
2: Well, we always look, especially early in the season with good teams, you know, we're only 17 games in. So this conversation, this question I'm about to ask you may not be fair, but you tend to look at little things that, you know, maybe aren't going the way, you know, either you hadn't planned or, or the pitching coach hasn't planned. You look at the bullpen. Bullpen's been really good. Every time Charlie calls on a guy down there, they're given everything Charlie wants and, and, and then some, but you do see a lack of swing and miss. And, you know, the really good bullpens have that guy or a couple of guys that can come in in big spots, runner on third base, less than two outs, can punch a guy out. Is the lack of strikeouts out of the bullpen a concern to you this early in the season? You
1: know, there, there's always the desire to have that across your team, whether that's starting pitching or in the pen. And I think we've gotten a lot better as long as you limit walks. the You know, I last night was a great example of that where – we just didn't put guys on base and you know they they had some contact and it was a it was one of the faster games through 8 innings i've been a part of in some time <laughs> and you know it's been a while the game moved along that quickly so as long as you're you're mitigating the walks i think the swing and miss is less impact. but if we you know, we do have guys that are punching guys out at a pretty good clip and the the walks have gone down significantly from a year and 2 years ago which i think you know, it, it, depending on the individual and depending our, our, our roster obviously is different, but um, you know, we've, we've just been really aggressive. That's been a message from Pete Walker and Matt Bushman and others to, you know, make sure these guys are aggressive and they have been, and, it, and it's, it's, we've benefited from it.
0: You've also benefited from having really good contributions from almost all your late season, I'm sorry, late spring training acquisitions, whether it's. Ryan Tapia or Bradley Zimmer. or I mean, my goodness, Zach Collins. I mean, the, the, again, the, these guys at, at one time or another, in these these early games, Ross have either been part of offensive rallies, delivered big hits, or made uh, game game-saving defensive plays or game-changing defensive plays in, in some cases when you bring in players as late as you did in spring training, and obviously the moves were made for a variety of reasons, waiver issues and, 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 and other things you needed to cover at certain positions. Um, is, is there a concern that you need to bring these guys in and have them hit the ground running? You know, it's not like you can sort of quote unquote, gradually work Rymel Tapia into things. I mean, he's, He's been logging some pretty significant, uh, some pretty significant playing time here.
1: Yeah, I mean, part of that has been the injury to Teo, and and right. part of that has certainly been the confidence. I mean, he's been he's been phenomenal defensively, and he's a great complement to our lineup with his contact rates and his being left-handed, the speed tool as well, and with. With Zach Collins and um, I forgot the other name that you mentioned. Uh, oh, Bradley Zimmer. Bradley Zimmer. You know, right. those, I think a, a big part of those acquisitions and those guys transitioning well is what I was alluding to before. These they've created an incredible environment. I mean, you guys can see it in the in the dugout, and you see it when you're in our clubhouse. They're they really enjoy one another, and when you come into an environment like that, you're gonna thrive, and and that's what I think we're seeing. Like. Really cool to see Bradley Zimmer get that game tying home run, the bunt last night, beat that out, made the pitcher made a phenomenal play and he still got on base. so the contributions like that, the defense of of Bradley, obviously the offense of of Collins has, has been really encouraging and I you know obviously they deserve some credit too, but I think a lot of it um, you know at least should point to the environment that Charlie and the players create in that clubhouse.
2: Ross, are you pleased with Alejandro Kirk's defense? He's been awesome, Kevin. That's been a highlight,
1: Uh, one of the highlights. I think, you know, uh, it's interesting, you know, seeing him tag up from second on in a big (laughs) moment and get to third base and score about five or six nights ago was uh, very encouraging to see. He's he's working really hard. Our pitchers have a ton of confidence in him, and we're we're very encouraged by his defense.
0: One of the one of the issues we're seeing around baseball, Ross, uh, broadly speaking, issues we're seeing around baseball, or people are talking about, it, has been um, sort of a lack of early season offense. Now there have been a variety of you know reasons put forth for that drag, d- more drag on the baseball, the shortened spring, the compressed spring, pitchers still building up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, two questions for you, as, as as a baseball executive, but also as a baseball fan. Uh, one does it concern you and 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 two, um yeah do you think it's just it's just one of those sort of temporary baseball things or or do you think that this may be kind of where we are for the entirety of the twenty twenty two season
1: well, i mean i it's interesting to see i I would rather have a little more information before i i answer that really directly because honestly it's, i i mean that's my answer i i would like to have more information i think you know the the humidors are are that have been implemented are are you know probably somewhat of a factor and again i would still like to to have more information before i react to that but it's uh it seems to be a very exciting brand of baseball i've enjoyed watching every night that i've watched and plugging in every morning to as many games as i can or or at night after ours and you know there seems to be a lot of action in the game and I, i i you know it's hard to comment specifically on what that means for the rest of the season
2: uh may 1st i believe the rosters go down to 26 guys what will be some of the the challenges for you as a gm when that happens
1: you know, I've not, there aren't really significant challenges. We'll just have to make a decision on, you know, third catcher or not, you know, how we construct our bullpen and feel good about the options that we have and feel good about being able to put a really good 26-man roster out there.
0: Ross, well, really good of you to do this. Thanks so much for bearing with us through the technical issues. We know your time's valuable, and uh, I think you know that we appreciate it. So thanks very much.
1: Anytime, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Thanks, Kevin.
0: Thanks, Ross. Ross Atkins, general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. We are going to take a break. Try to get all our technical issues under control. Be back with more Blair and Barker on Sportsnet Five Hundred and Ninety. The Fan. I want to thank Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, for joining us on Blair and Barker, and uh, for putting up with some of the technical issues that uh, we are experiencing today. I trust that they will be cleared in time for Blue Jays talk tonight, uh, which will be immediately following the Jays-Red Sox game, the second of four games between those two teams. Seven o seven is the first pitch. On Sportsnet 590 The Fan, and on Sportsnet, um, Kevin. Just unpacking some of the stuff that Ross Atkins said before we get the Barkers back leg bits. Uh, any, anything, anything surprise or stand out to you? It, it's uh, the, the question about Alejandro Kirk seemed to generate an interesting, uh, an interesting response.
2: Yeah, it sounds like to you know the, the the players will tell you what they think of certain guys, and I believe that everything that I've heard and the people that I've talked to and listened to Ross, the pitchers love throwing to him, and it doesn't really matter what we think, right? It's the adjustments he's made. He's got a wider base. He looks a little more athletic. He's moving around a little bit better. Uh, the one knee thing, that's something we're going to have to live with. It is what it is. Uh, he's a decent game caller. He's getting much better at that. Alec Manoa loves throwing to him. That's one of the, the key guys. Barrios, you know, you, you look at guys behind the plate, Jeff, for me anyway, you can judge them on when a guy doesn't have his best stuff, how do you get through it? Now, obviously, there's guys in that in that dugout who are trying to help Alejandro Kirk get through some things, but bottom line is when you're out there, it is catcher-pitcher versus the hitter, and you have to have confidence if you're the pitcher when you don't have your best stuff of how late you're setting up. It's just little things that you can do to help a guy along when he doesn't have his best stuff, and it just seems like he's doing all the right things, and hopefully – you know, we're going to start to see his offense catch up to his catching adjustments that he's made. And, and it's just funny that Ross mentioned the, the tagging up at second base and, and going to third base. It's little things like that to try and make a, a player laugh and, and think of something other than, you know, trying to get all of his pitchers through certain games. And, and you know, we're, we're I think we're going to see the best of Alejandro Kirk coming up here real soon.
0: Yeah, and you made an interesting point as well uh, that, that I think – we will need to stress. And I think fans need to keep in mind. You talked about how, when we talked with about Danny Jansen, the discussion was, he's got a lot in his plate defensively. Let's let him handle that. The offense will come, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you have to take the same approach with, with Alejandro Kirk. I, 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 I mean, it honestly, when I say I'm not looking at Alejandro Kirk's offensive numbers, uh, the, at this point in the season, I'm just not. I want to see this team win games. I want to see the pitchers go six innings. I want the right decisions made at the right time out of the bullpen. I, I want pitches executed. I don't want strikes, uh, you know, stolen away by bad work behind the plate. All of that. That's what I want to see from Alejandro Kirk. The offense. The offense will come. And and I mean, I just can't say enough about. I, I can't say enough about how far this guy has come in a limited time. I mean, he's gone from being a guy that, let's face it, a guy that people like because of the quirkiness of his body type, right? It's, it's hard not to cheer for a guy like that. I mean, it really isn't. And, you know, you know the backstory. You know how hard he's worked. So, but he's gone from being a guy that was kind of a, a cute story and a guy you wanted to cheer for to a guy whose offensive profile, some of his underlying numbers are really, really good, really intriguing to a guy that we're now seeing, you know, catch every day in the team that, that is leading the American League East while the everyday catcher is hurt. And as I said, I don't think there's a Blue Jays fan out there, Kevin. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a Blue Jays fan out there right now who if you said to them, you know what, Danny Jansen's going to be out for a while, it's going to take a long time for this injury to heal, yeah, you'd love to have Danny back, but I don't think there's a Jays fan out there saying, oh, my God, that means we've got to put up with another three weeks of Alejandro Kirk behind the plate. It just isn't. We're fine yeah, with
2: it. Yeah, it's amazing what winning will do and, and make you know things that, that aren't as strong as you'd like them to be uh, look okay. I, look, I, for me, anyway, I still have – some some doubts about his conditioning i think he needs to get in better shape that that's still the one thing for me long term it's hard to do it though, man. To,
0: it's, hard, it's hard to do in season kevin it is like, it it's is. hard it's hard to get in shape in season
2: it is it is so you're going to you're going to get what you get and hopefully his body type can hold up and and the extra weight can hold up to the grind of of playing every single day but i'm with you he is if we know that he receives the low ball well you know he knows that and for him to work on getting certain guys through that have to elevate the baseball occasionally and be able to catch that like he catches the low ball give him credit like it's he's making adjustments in game and and off the field before he actually goes into the game which is which is kind of nice but i still want to see him start you know driving some Balls to right center and getting the head out a little bit. That'd be not, kind of nice to watch, too.
0: You know what time it is, Mr. Barker. Even with technical issues, you know what time it is. <laughs> it's time for Barker's back leg bits. We said Barker's bits, not Baker. We've got a lot of questions for Mr. Barker. Again, this is Barker's back leg bits. You can submit your question by DMing me. It is SN Jeff Blair. That is my Twitter handle. I'll send out a reminder every morning, and uh, immediately check the messages. We've got a we've got a ton of them today uh, for you, Kevin. And man, oh man, I mean, I'm gonna start with this one this one it's the second time somebody actually it's the third time somebody's mentioned mentioned this to me it's from Andrew M and uh thanks for the kind words Andrew we uh we appreciate it uh, question for back leg bit with the implementation of pitchcom do you ever see a day where a pitcher will call their own game to the catcher i think in other words what the uh, listener is saying is instead of the, the catcher pushing you know the buttons on the pad to tell the, the pitcher what he wants, there would be some other form of communication, whether a microphone or something like that. I mean I I don't think that'll I don't think that'll ever happen because the whole idea behind the the buttons and the pitch pitchcom, the whole idea behind it is you don't want the hitter or whoever's on base to be able to steal signs. And if I'm standing on the mound, you don't have to be a, the best lip reader in the world, Kevin, to hear me see or to see me say fastball inside, you know, or maybe you'd be like quarterback changing signals. You go Omaha means fastball inside or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, the reason, uh, the reason I asked the question is, or the reason I, I wanted that question asked is, you know, people need to realize that when, when, uh, plans of attack are developed for hitters. The pitchers do have a say in that. You have a catcher-pitcher meeting. So it's not as if the pitcher's going out there blindly and the catcher's kind of making up things as they go along. The pitcher knows, the pitcher has a general idea of what the game plan is with a particular hitter. All this is doing is just find that particular pitch, right?
2: Yeah, so the uh, long-winded answer, no, I don't see that happening. With with the, as worried as pitching coaches are, and and organizations are worried about tipping pitches and and giving away sequencing and and what they're trying to do on a mound, all the things that they've went to to try and hide that. Uh, and substances. Remember, you you know, if I say a pitcher had something on their arm, if I'm a hitter, I don't want that. You know, you might be able to hide something to. to You know, scuff a baseball or something like that. I I know there's a lot of umpires that would go out and check those kind of things. And a lot of pitchers need to be told what to do, quite frankly. I understand, like Matt Bushman, if a a bullpen arm's coming out, he will tell you who's coming up. This guy likes that. This is your best pitch. Throw this and this count. And they got a pretty good game plan going out. So he's got an idea before the the catcher actually hits that button on what he's trying to do. And, And it's just a confirmation that both of them are on the same page. But I just don't see it i just think it's too much heat of the moment you you need that communication of uh, i'm telling you sort of what i want you to do and you're just confirming it it's not the other way around
0: yeah i mean and then then we wouldn't we wouldn't have had the whole nuclear loose thing don't think just throw right i mean (laughs) it's requiring uh, be careful what you want a pitcher to do careful what you want a pitcher to do sometimes you don't want the pitcher thinking too much ox media Love for Santiago Espinal, a little more love. Getting a lot. He's been great in defense and good at the plate. What does a player need to do to be considered the everyday second baseman? How can he be considered the guy and then not worry about second base for the for the, for the next couple of years? I, look, I, I I mean, I think at at this point, is there any doubt, Kevin, who the Jays' second baseman is? Santiago I, I, Espinal. I don't think there's any doubt at all. Um, You know, and that was the case even before Kevin Biggio went on the COVID IL. The only, and we're on the same page here, Kevin. The, The only way the Santiago Espinal moved off second base is Jay's Know how much of a priority this is now for the organization, frankly. If the Jays decide that they need to add using the word balance, because a good right handed hitter can handle both left and right handed pitching, but if they decide that they need a more impactful left handed bat lineup in order to increase the likelihood of them having a platoon advantage late in the game. Like, that's that's kind of the one position I can see that happening in. You're not touching first base, clearly. You're not touching shortstop, clearly. Third base is taken care of. Springer, Oscar, and Gurriel are going to be in the lineup every day. I mean... If I if I really need if I really am dying to get an everyday left-handed bat in the lineup, if that is the thing that I'm focusing on, I guess second base would be the position I would look at. From what I've seen so far, you know, I'm I'm certainly it's it's not in my it's not tops in my priority list, Kevin. I think maybe I'd like another. I'd like a little more swing and miss in the back end of the bullpen or, or, or let's see what happens with Hyunjin Ryu. Maybe I need to add another arm there. I, I'm quite fine with the position players the way they are now.
2: Yeah, I, I think if you got Ross in a in a room and really told him you have to tell the truth, he's going to tell you they need balance in the lineup to win the World Series. They need a a really good left-handed bat uh, to face to match up against some really good right-handed pitching because that's what you're going to get. You look so at all the good Where does that teams
0: guy fighting, play, Kevin? Where does that I, guy well, play?
2: that that's a that's a tremendous question that I'm sure that Ross and and all the khakis are trying to figure out when time comes and what you have to give up to get that person whoever that person is uh, to to sprinkle in that can give you some quality at bats look at the Braves last year the Braves for me anyway had balance and was really hard to pitch to because their balance got hot at the right time that's that's sort of what it is and they were hard to match up against with an opposing manager I still think that's the case you can never have too many arms like you know if you brought in another swing and miss arm that's probably not enough you probably need another one like you can, you can never be satisfied and I'm sure Ross would tell you that you know he he wants as many of those as possible but yeah Santiago Espinal for me has solidified the everyday job at second base and You know, if push comes to shove and i got to package a pitcher, uh, Nate Pearson, with Kevin Biggio to get whatever I need, I'm going to do that. I think right now Kevin Biggio, with his performance and and where he's at as a defender, really is not a fit for this team right now. I know it's a small sample size, and he's done everything possible to try and fix his woes at the plate and try to level out his swing a little bit more. But right now it's about performance. And if you got a guy that's performing better and you got a need – that's not, you know, warranted for with the, with the players that you have. You may want to think about trading it for. So for me, that's an easy one. Santiago Espinal is the everyday second baseman.
0: Yeah, I, I think that. I, I think when it comes to the whole lefty righty whole concept of balance, I've, I've kind of changed my mind a bit. In that, I look at that Braves lineup, and it wasn't so much lefty-righty switch hitting was they had different hitters, different strength. And regardless of whether they were hitting from the right side or the left side or switch hitters, they were hard to game plan because there was such a different variety of hitters. And I, and I think maybe maybe sometimes we get too up in the idea of we got to have Lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty, righty, lefty, righty. Sometimes I think we get a little caught up in that. Look, I mean, I would love to have had Jose Ramirez here. I'd love to have a switch hitting uh, infielder. That, I mean, that would answer, that would solve a lot of your questions. But my sense is given what we know now about analytics and given the way rosters are constructed, <clears throat> I think teams are looking a little differently than simply, and simply uh, simply righty and lefty. I think they're doing a deeper dive into profiles and swing paths and, 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 and then hot zones and, and, and things like that. But, um, yeah, in terms of Santiago Espinal at second base, I, it's the same thing with Alejandro Kirk. Santiago Espinal is going to be my second baseman. I'm okay. I'm not sitting there pulling my hair out and saying, my God, it's going to hurt me defensively. I know that.
2: Well, he's, he's a really good defender. So's Matt Chapman. They're sort of bookends to Bo Bichette when Bo Bichette's going through some woes defensively with the throws and the and the running throws and the accuracy and the arm strength. And it's just when Santiago Espinal is around the baseball, the ball goes in glove. The throw goes to Vladdy or wherever it needs to go almost 100% of the time. That's what I love about it.
0: So we've got Kevin Gossman tonight, much as Jose Barrios. He is facing the Red Sox for the second, second time in five days, a second consecutive start against the same team. Do you expect him to change anything, Kevin, against the Red Sox?
2: I don't think he. I don't think he. He can really change a whole ton. It's uh, the split finger for me. The, what we've seen the last two starts is so good. He could tell you it's coming, and you're going to have a real tough time of doing something with it. The game planning against that pitch. How do you? Do you try and pull it? If you try and pull it, you're going to be out in front. You're going to make weak contact to the pull side. If you try and go the other way, you're either going to swing over it or you're going to pop it up. When he's throwing it for strikes, he's getting ahead with it, and he can throw it with two strikes. You know, don't don't overthink it. Make a team, make adjustments to you, and I just don't think he's going to try and do that. And he's got decent location with the fastball. He's he's, he's a, he was a little bit more unpredictable last time too. Sequencing of the fastball and the split finger were really good because he was throwing strikes with the split finger. If he can do that, don't reinvent the wheel. Go out there and do the exact same thing.
0: Yeah, and I I, I like the uh, I like the the pace at at which he and Zach Collins work as well you know we've talked about uh you know we talked about the uh, the catching situation but i i really enjoyed the pace that he and zach collins had and i think that's that's uh that very much is part of kevin gossman's game as well isn't it you know is uh is, is you you want that i guess rhythm's a better word than pace correct
2: it is too you know it's it's the it's because he has such a a quick leg kick getting it down and and mostly the same spot all the time just adds the the different the tunneling and having a tough time telling the difference and the slider was a big pitch for him too last time he he had two different sliders the one he could get ahead with and the little harder one even though it is 82 miles an hour he can manipulate that and make it break a little bit more with two strikes he's given you a bunch of things to think about that's why it's almost impossible to game plan against don't don't overthink it man like just because that team has seen you back-to-back starts until they make adjustments till they square start squaring you up don't don't overthink it and don't go outside the box continue to do what you're doing he throws strike one he's gonna have a good night tonight
0: what is the plan of attack against nick pivetta whatever it was worked pretty well last time
2: yeah, I, I think superstars, got to be superstars in the Jays' lineup. It is what it is. Hopefully, Bo can catch fire because of the big hit he had last night. Uh, at the bottom of the order, is going to have to have some quality at-bats. starts always, always going to start early in the season with starting pitching. You do that. Just, you know, Nick Pavetta's good. He's going to in and out. He's got a big breaking ball. Uh, swing it strikes. Get your pitch to hit. You're such good hitters. If you do that, everything else will take care of itself.
0: All right, Mr. Barker, thank you very much for that. Thank you, all of you, for bearing with us through the technical difficulties. Regular service will be resumed tomorrow. I can trust or I can promise you that. We will be on after the Jays game tonight with Blue Jays talk immediately following the Jays-Red Sox game. So, for all of us here at Sportsnet 590, the fan, for all of us here at Flair and Barker, thanks for joining us. Have a great afternoon.